iHub Radio, reinventing talk radio in the Coachella Valley. Homemade for the rest of us. Live from Palm Springs, the intersection of arts, entertainment, and the desert scene. This is The Culture Corner with Bonnie Gilgallen. And happy Saturday afternoon to you. Welcome to The Culture Corner on iHub Radio. We're Still in the midst of this uh, lockdown, this pandemic, and everybody's going a little bit stir crazy, um, trying to uh, keep it all together and um, be kind to each other, which I know is, for some folks is getting tougher and tougher to do. Um, you know, it's really important that we, uh, first of all, think outside the box and think about someone other than yourself. That's something that I think a lot of people are struggling with, um, just from the larger picture of um, wearing a mask when you go out and social distancing and all that. Even if you're young and healthy and think you're going to be fine, even if you get this this virus, but you might have it and pass it on to someone else older and sicker who won't be fine. So we've got to think about other people. And just thinking about people that you know who are alone, who are locked down by themselves in the middle of this whole thing and don't have spouses, partners, sons, daughters, family, dogs, cats to keep them company. Um, checking on folks like that, especially if they're older and have health issues is really reaching out and, and uh, thinking about other people other than yourself. I know a lot of people are doing that, but I just hope that um, everyone can kind of factor that in. Um, and again, I'm hoping that people are finding the silver linings in this whole mess, uh, which is a couple of them. One is it's a break. It's a rest. It's a time to slow down, take care of yourself, slow down the pace of running, 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 really working on self-care, taking a nap when you feel like you need one, Um, you know, working out your home gym or create a home gym, taking walks. It's okay to take walks. Um, You know, if you get close to any other people, put your mask on, but walk your dog, get out in nature. Um, Finish some of those creative projects that you've put on hold, that book you always wanted to write or that uh, painting you always wanted to paint or you wanted to learn a new language. Now's a good time to do it. Uh, Do that yard work, clean out your garage, but find those silver linings in in the middle of this. Um, So we were we're hoping to talk to Erica Stone. I don't know. We're having problems connecting with her. Um, but Erica Stone is someone who um, I've interviewed many, many times. I've known her for several years now. And she's a real, she's one of those people who has really gone out of her way to help other people. She put together this organization called SOS, which stands for Soldiers organized services. Her late dad was in the military and she one time was at the Palm Springs airport, this was years ago, and noticed a Marine sitting there in uniform with his duffel bag or whatever, kind of sitting there and and started talking with him and turned out he had just um, uh, gotten him on the plane, arrived from the plane and didn't have any way to get to the 29 Palms Marine base and didn't have money for a cab and just didn't have anywhere to get there. Well, she decided she had some time and had a car, so she drove him, and she a light bulb went on in her head, and she said, you know what? There must be other soldiers 
Fremorians who need the same service. It's very expensive to take a cab from the airport to almost anywhere. And uh, these soldiers have put their lives on the line and done so much for all of us. Why not create an organization that can at least do that much for them, give them a ride, give them a free ride from the airport to the Marine base, et cetera, or even other places. So she put together this organization. They called it SOS. And now she has a whole uh, army of volunteers who drive, who help pick people up. And now uh, she's done because things have changed with this lockdown, as they've changed with all of us. Um just read something, the email she sent out. With a Marine Corps base on lockdown, you might think that SOS has been idle. On the contrary, we've simply turned our sights towards helping our veterans while the active duty Marines cool their heels. A core group of active volunteers have been keeping busy helping veterans in need with running errands, grocery shopping, light cleaning, picking up prescriptions, or just checking in and making sure they have everything you need. So, and she says, in fact, if you know someone in need, whether you just bring them a bouquet of flowers and a glove, gloves and mask, of course, um, or somebody that needs something fixed, um, a majority of our volunteers are seniors. They're a dynamic bunch and they don't want to sit around. So she, they found a way to keep helping even in the midst of this pandemic. So their, uh, their next big golf fundraiser has been postponed until September 24th, which is actually Erica Stone's birthday. We'll wish her a happy birthday when we get close to that. So now they're putting together a GoFundMe page. And she's hoping that people will share that. Her, the goal is to generate at least $5,000, um, but they're hoping to surpass that. So um, I would check, check out the um, SOS um, let's see, eStone at SOSRide.org, e.stone at SOSRide.org, and she can find out the um, GoFundMe page and maybe help them out, um, either volunteer to do some driving, do some errands for somebody that needs it, or just volunteer some money. They're trying to generate $5,000 because they have to buy vehicles. They have to have vehicles, and the vehicles sometimes break down. I know a couple of years ago, I think they had one vehicle stolen, which was awful, so they had to replace that. So it does take money to keep this organization rolling and keep um, the wonderful work that they do uh, active, providing rides from these Marines um, from the airport to the Marine Corps base, etc. So anything that you can do to help. I know a lot of people now are, are taking this time also to Look into how they can help. How can we all be of service to each other, whether it's making masks, volunteering to make masks, cut fabric, drop masks off, um, drop masks off at, at hospitals, etc., go grocery shopping for someone who can't get out, those kinds of things. Um, there's a way to help. I mean, we're all, again, we're all in this together, and we need to find ways to reach out to others and Think outside the box and help us all get through this. Eventually, eventually, this will end and we'll get back to, I don't like to use the word normal because um, I don't think we're ever going to get back to quote unquote normal. And I'm not sure that the normal we were at and before this all happened was all that great, to be honest with you. There were some things that needed changing. So I think the normal is going to look a little bit different when we, um, you know, start opening things up. And I really, I encourage people I know everyone's getting antsy and wants to get out, but to do it safely and slowly and uh, using your head 
When you go out to the store, put your mask on, put your gloves on, keep the social dis- distancing. Um, don't unnecessarily put yourself or anybody else at risk. And I think that some innovative things are going to come out of this. I really think drive-in movie theaters are definitely going to come back. That's well, How great is that? You pull up in your car and your car is parked, you know, five or six feet away from the next car. You can sit there and watch a movie and have refreshments and that kind of thing. Drive-in concerts, we've talked about. I've talked with my partner, Eric, and a number of other people. Having people drive up and, again, space out at a big field, a big arena, and have a band or entertainment on the stage, but not sitting elbow to elbow. Um, I think there are a lot of um, innovative things. You know, Eric, my partner's uh, last night was went to play the piano, electric piano, outside of Cuisto, which is the high-end French restaurant in Palm Desert. He plays during the season every Thursday and Friday there. So he's been p- playing outside in front on the sidewalk, in front of the restaurant where people come and pick up their to-go orders. And they're having music while they drive up, pick up the to-go orders, listen for a minute and drive away. And it's worked out really well. And people are really enjoying that. So I think that might become uh, more of a, a, a regular thing at other restaurants besides, besides Cuisto. And I know there have been a couple places like Frankie's. We love Frankie Mamoni over at Frankie's Italian Bakery. Eric and I did a, a show there, socially distanced, just the two of us and Frankie and uh, Luca in the, way, in the back of the room. I know a number of other singers have done that. Uh, Christy King's done it. John Spinks, another a number of people. Uh, Marsha Harp, and um, I think there might be. Stay tuned. There might be a, a special Mother's Day show. Uh, I think maybe this evening. We'll see. Still working on details out on that. But there's all kinds of ways to stay entertained. Of course, there's Netflix and streaming movies and the internet and all kinds of stuff. Luckily, there's a lot more media we can. Uh, take take advantage of for entertainment than say 30 40 50 years ago um but reach out to friends do zoom calls do skype calls um you know email folks call people text people private message people that send a send a facebook message to people that maybe you haven't um touched base with for a while so you know find out how they're doing if you have an aunt or an uncle or grandparent that lives you know many states away Call them, text them, email them, set up a Zoom call and just see how they're doing and touch base. There are a lot of ways to stay in contact with um, folks other than, you know, sitting next to them and hugs and all that kind of stuff. So, again, Erica Stone, uh, check out uh, Soldiers Organized Services and you can email her at e.stone at sosride.org and maybe fi- ask her about the GoFundMe page. I mean, this GoFundMe address is really long, so I don't, I'm not going to try to read that to you because it goes on forever. Um, but that's a great way to help, to help some other uh, folks reach out and help. And um, be kind to each other. I know there's a lot of politics going on right now and a lot this whole pandemic, uh, you know, there's the separate issue of the pandemic and people tragically dying and being very sick and doctors and nurses on the front lines and and bus drivers and and then there's the whole political side and i know it's really tempting to jump into that and point the finger and get in wars with people but i'm just not sure how um i don't think how productive that is and i i've tried to steer away from that every now and then i you know can't help myself and maybe put something but i try to stay away from that because you're not going to change anybody's mind, I don't think, at this point, and I'm not sure how productive it is. So I think the more we stay positive and the more we look, how can we help other people stay connected in whatever ways you can safely, physically distanced, um, stay out of political wars. Don't watch four and five hours of news. Um, yes, you want to keep up on what's going on and want to stay informed, but um, 
there comes a point, and you can feel it. You can feel, okay, I've watched an hour of this, half an hour. It's time to turn off the TV, listen to some music, go walk around the block, or even put on a movie and something other than news. Because um, after a while, it just gets it gets in your blood and your brain and your heart and your soul, and it's a little depressing. So, um, And listen to the radio. I have radio is a great a lot of digital stations, a lot of podcasts out there that you can listen to. Um, we're going to talk to, of course, my board out Brian, who has his own Brian Mendoza has his own um, movie show on Saturdays, Saturday mornings. We're going to talk to him in the last segment today about. I'm going to talk a little bit later on about kids and how this pandemic is is affecting them, and we're going to talk a little bit about kids' movies. But um, you know, watch a movie. Watch a movie. Let's see. What did we watch the other day? Eric and I watched. He saved a lot of things. We watched Three Coins in the Fountain, which is really old. Um, gosh, I think that was the 60s, 50s, 60s. Uh, Gene Simmons, the young Gene Simmons. It was really interesting. But we've got a lot of movies saved, Animal House and that kind of thing. But don't don't watch don't watch disaster movies. Don't watch slasher murder movies. And one of the things he had saved was the Boston Strangler. I, said, I don't want to watch that. It's too depressing. When I try to. Um, Although sometimes I break my rule with Dateline. When there's a new Dateline, it's hard hard to resist watching that. I just love the journalistic side of it because I did news for so long and the drama and the psychology. But um, hang in there, everybody. We've got to hang in there. Um, could be worse. Could be a lot worse. Um, stay healthy. Monitor your own health. Um, Okay, I think we're gonna we're coming up on a break in just a minute here on the Culture Corner and I have ready. When we come back, we're gonna talk to Ann Sheffer from the Palm Springs Cultural Center. We'll be right back on the Culture Corner. Local talk that's moving the needle. Art exhibitions to modernism, music festivals to live theater. If it's happening in the Coachella Valley, it's on the Culture Corner with Bonnie G. And welcome back to the Culture Corner on iHub Radio. We're now joined by Ann Sheffer, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, who is the Secretary yeah. and Board of Directors of the Palm Springs Cultural Center. Hi, Ann, how are you? Okay, and you? Pretty good, pretty good. So let's talk about the Palm Springs Cultural Center. I think um, some people might not know, it used to be the Camelot Theaters. It's over there on, um, uh, what is it? Um, No, um, Ramon. Ramon, yes, Ramon. Um, So when did it officially become the uh, Cultural Center? Um, A couple of years ago, as you know, the the Camelot Theaters belong to a couple named the Supples, who've been very generous with lots of cultural um, organizations around town. Um, They gifted the building to this new organization called the Palm Springs Cultural Center because in addition to the movies, and we have three movie theaters, we have 
recently converted one of them into a venue for live theater. Mm-hmm. And we're hoping to continue in that direction. Um, Coyote Theater was about to open a play called Velocity of Autumn mm-hmm. when we had to shut down the building. Wow. Uh, the set is still waiting on stage for us to be able to start up again. Mm-hmm. And we really have great plans to expand into live performances. That is so great. Yes, and I, I saw... I saw um uh, the Doll's House Part Two, there. Uh, right, with Chuck. wonderful, it was fabulous. Yeah, fabulous. And that theater just works really well. How much? Of, how big of a job was it to convert that one theater? We did a sort of quickie version, um, which meant that we took out some of the seats so we could extend the stage out. We um, created an opening so that you can go backstage, which you don't need to do in a movie. And it turns out that we have enough room backstage for a sort of green room, dressing room. Mm-hmm. So, but we have plans that have been drawn up to, right now it's 140 seats. We have plans to make it about 200. It's hard to describe this on the radio, but we're going to turn it sideways and mm-hmm. bump out the wall so that the 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 stage is on the right-hand side as you would walk into this theater. Okay, gotcha. And then it would have it would have dressing rooms and classrooms and um, all the things that you need. But actually, Coyote Theater did a superb job with the very first play there, in spite of the fact that we actually got the stage finished two days before their opening, and then they put the set on it, and we were all ready to go. Wow. Yeah. Well, it, I tell you what, you, you would never have known that it was that to the wire because I thought the set was beautiful and it worked so well with that production. It really exactly. did. So, so are so you anticipating, to- are you anticipating, so uh, this is going to be Coyote Stage Works new home, correct? Yes. Okay. All right. And, and we're so- hoping, we're hoping some other theaters will come in also when they see this great facility. For example, Desart. Mm-hmm. which performs at the Palm Springs Women's Club right. with a very makeshift stage um, yeah. that they have to they have to strike the set after every weekend, even if they're doing the play for another week. Mm-hmm. So we think we can, that they would be much better off in a built-for-purpose theater. Oh, that's great. And that's what I was going to ask you if other theaters were going to come in. Super. And then now, do you also occasionally have uh, lectures and other kinds of cultural events besides movies and plays? Yes, we. Um, the facility is used by a lot of nonprofits. For example, the Desert AIDS Project has a big event in the 500-seat theater called. Um, it's it honors the volunteers, everyday heroes. Oh, great! Mm-hmm. And it's there's a lot of um, a lot of visuals and and videos, um, but live people standing on the stage. Great. Super. That's great. And now, so what, what are you, do you have specific plans in mind? I know a lot of people think it's a little too early for, you know, some people are taking baby steps out and with, you know, opening things up. Um, But theater's tough, although small, I think smaller theaters are going to do better than large. But but what are you seeing or what are you hearing about any plans in place or thoughts about how down the road the cultural center is going to reopen? 
Well, first of all, I'm afraid that live theater and even movies are going to be one of the last things that can be adapted to the to the coronavirus uh-huh. because the essence of, of live theater is that you are in an audience with other people mm-hmm. and there's something live going on on stage. Right. A lot of theaters, in order to keep in touch with their subscribers and sort of keep the spirit alive, have been streaming versions of of plays that they've done, which is a little difficult with copyright and rights to things. There's also been um, some really fascinating discussions with directors and playwrights and when it's musical, the composers, about how the show came together and then, and those have been fun. But, you know, this, this need to be in the same space so we actually thing. do yeah. have an we're idea for I'm so sorry we're running out of time, but thank you so much, Ann Sheffer, and all the great work you do at the Palm Springs Cultural Center. Looking forward to get, having it reopen and see some great shows there. And stay safe, and thank you so very much for joining us today. Thank I really you. appreciate it. Thank you, and we're still serving popcorn if you want to come by and pick up some to stream okay, movies. Great. Thank you so much. I might do that. All right, we'll be right back on the Culture Club. Local talk that's moving the needle. Art exhibitions to modernism, music festivals to live theater. If it's happening in the Coachella Valley, it's on the Culture Corner with Bonnie G. And we are back on the Culture Corner and iHub Radio. We're now joined by, I'm so excited to, uh, I've been, I've, known of this talented woman and writer for a long time and never had a chance to interview her. But we have Maggie Downs on the phone. Hi, Maggie. How are you? Hi, Bonnie. I'm great. How are you? Good, good. So a lot to talk about with you. First of all, um, you were for years a columnist at the Desert Sun. Now, you're, you're, you're not still contributing to the, them, are you? Or I'm always clear on that. No, no. Um, I left the Desert Sun in 2010, okay. but um, I still write for Palm Springs Life magazine and I write for other publications. Okay, like, and I was looking at your bio. You've written for the L.A. Times, Newsweek, Eating Well, Cincinnati Inquirer, a lot, a lot of, of places. And uh, but I really wanted to get into. You have a brand new book out. Is this your first book? It is. It is. And what a time to be a debut writer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's called Braver Than You Think: Around the World on the Trip of My Mother's Lifetime. And I'm fascinated by this. I was reading about the book and. It just kind of blew me away because um, what what spurred you? Well, t- tell tell everybody kind of the theme of the book and what what moved you to write it. Sure. Um, yeah, my mom uh, was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's disease um, when she was in her late fifties, and and that was really hard for me as a daughter to come to terms with both. Um, becoming a caregiver for my mom for a while, and then um, also watching her decline, and then considering my own mortality and um, if I would get the disease someday. And I knew there were a lot of things my mom had always wanted to do, a lot of places she wanted to visit, a lot of goals she wanted to achieve, and, um, and she put them off, and she never had a chance to do them. And um, when she was in the final stages of Alzheimer's, I thought, this is how I can honor her. I can, 
I can take this trip around the world and do the things she never had the opportunity to do. And I, she, at that point, she was too far gone um, in Alzheimer's in her decline. So she didn't know that I was taking the trip. Um, mm-hmm. But I made this journey solo, and it was more of my way of honoring her and, um, and also mourning her because I knew her death was coming. So I traveled to um, South America, Africa, and Asia over the course of a year and did the things that my mom always talked about doing. That is so great. I mean, what a great, and the reason that this really struck home with me, my, my, my mom passed from Alzheimer's. It's been like nine, almost nine years now. She was much older. She developed it in uh, her um, very late 70s, um, mm-hmm. and she, uh, she was in, on the East Coast with my father, so I didn't spend a lot of time with her. I saw her a few times, but it's a very uh, difficult very difficult thing to do and watch as a child. And you do mourn the things down. And she was in the middle. She was a writer herself. And she was she about to teach a class at a local community college on how to write your own life story. And But when she started declining and then she had a stroke and she never got to do that. So what a great honor, uh, way to honor your mother. Um, were you, what did you, what did you learn about yourself during this journey? Um, that's a great question. Um, you know, there were things that I realized I was putting off myself, um, some things that I put off in my own life. And I realized, you know, I'm doing the same thing that my mom did. I, I assumed there would be time later, you know, to do things. And I think that's really hitting home for people right now during the pandemic is, um, like all these things we think about doing. And then now, we can't. And so we're stuck in that phase of like, once we get out of this, I'm going to do this. Well, why weren't we doing it before? You know? So, um, so I think that was the biggest thing I learned was um, to make memories while I still can. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it also um, traveling also made me realize how much I wanted to become a mother myself. Mm. And you do, you have a son now, correct? I do, yeah. He's five now. Yeah, and um, wow. And tell me about tell me about traveling solo. That's something I've never really done. Is travel, you know, to many different places solo. Was that um, a dip? Was that experience what you expected it to be? Um, it was really scary because I had not traveled much until I took this trip. So I didn't even know if I could do it, you know. And I don't really speak any other languages, so I thought. I might be home in two weeks, who knows? <laughs> and, um, and then um, it took me a while to figure out um, just what kind of traveler I am and how to make my way in the world and how to be more assertive. And then also, one thing I really love about solo travel is that it's very humbling. Um, it forces you to ask questions of people Mm-hmm. It forces you to be vulnerable um, and you have to be very open and um, and engage with strangers. And those were all uncomfortable things for me. And they're things I learned how to do. And I'm really grateful that I had that experience. Mm-hmm. That's great. And so tell me about, I love the title of this book, Braver Than You Think. And you said that something that your mother used to tell tell you, you are braver than you think, which is what, a, for me, what a wonderful thing for a parent to tell a child. I wish I had heard that younger because I was not brave for a very, very, very long time. Um, how important was that 
uh, mantra for you? You know, it was it was important for me when I was a little girl, um, and that's one of the scenes in my book is that um, my my mom would send me off to school and say, "You're braver than you think you are," and um, and so it's something that I recalled a lot while I was traveling because there were situations where. Um, like I was attacked by a monkey when I was in the jungle in Bolivia. Um, I was stuck in the Arab Spring. And, you know, there were all these things happening around me that were very intimidating and sometimes overwhelming and very scary. And um, and that did become my mantra. And it, it really got me through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what did what did both your three things, this trip, this long trip, writing the book, and your experience with your mom and dealing with her Alzheimer's. How do you think all those things shaped you uh, and helped you become into the experience of being a mom yourself? Yeah. Um, so when I took this trip, I was doing it out of such profound grief that I, I didn't really think about writing a book at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the experience of travel made and and also um, just seeing my mom's decline and meeting other people who had loved ones with Alzheimer's. It made me realize that this was a story that I think people needed to hear um, mm-hmm. because it is a very grim diagnosis. You know, there's nothing pretty about dementia, no. but um but being able to take something motivating and inspiring from it and, and very life affirming, I think that became really important to me. And then all of those lessons um, are things that I try to teach my son today. You know, um, I, I really want to pass along a curiosity for the world. Um, Mm -hmm. Also, I think storytelling is so important in connecting people. So, Mm -hmm. so we spend a lot of time making up our own stories and, um, and writing down things. I just gave my son um, his first journal, even though he's five and I have to help him with the words, Mm -hmm. you know, I think he likes to write things down. And, and so I think that's really important too, is capturing all of those memories. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love what you said. I think you're absolutely right about this pandemic making all of us, well, you don't have any choice, but, you know, sit back, stop, rest, recharge, and look at yourself and your life and where you're going, even maybe if you didn't want to, and think about, yeah, what is it that I still want to do that I, you know, makes you think about your own mortality, not only because so many people are getting sick and dying, but just okay, now we're stopping here. It's like the life's been put on hold to some degree. You know, how do I want to continue? What do I want to change when things kind of gear up again? And, and um, yeah, it really makes you look at that stuff. Has, has that, uh, do you have a new book and you're thinking about a second book right now? You know, I, I had planned to write the proposal for my next book in the days leading up to releasing this book. Um, but my second book is all about travel as well and plans for travel. So that has to be put on hold right now. Um, and I'm working on some other types of writing. I have a screenplay that I'm working on and, and some other things that I'm kind of digging into. Um, but, you know, this, this I think, what you were saying is exactly correct. It really prioritizes things for you, even though it's a forced priority prioritization um you know this situation is forcing all of us to think about like what's important to me 
and what's the first thing that I'm going to do and and like what's the legacy that I want to leave you know and um, so I I'm trying to work on some of those things that um, that I can do at this point and tell me about your I I, I'm not the writer you, but I write uh, theater reviews for CV Independent. I do a little bit of writing. And I always like to ask other people um, about your sort of um, process. Are you somebody who says, okay, I'm going to sit down at the computer from, you know, 10 to 1 or and write? Or do you wake up at 3 in the morning with ideas? Or is it kind of a combination? You know, um, I know so many writers who set like word goals for the day or page goals, Mm -hmm. and I'm not a person who can sit down and write every day, um, even though I I try to. And um, and as a freelancer, you know, usually I have some deadlines coming up with articles I'm writing and things I'm working on. And and that I consider work and I can sit down and work on that in a chunk of time. But um, as far as the bigger, more creative work like this book, um, I'm more of a binge writer. And so there were times where I would just check into a hotel or go away for a few days and uh, like borrow a friend's cabin or something like that. And um, and I would write like 50 pages at a time. Mm-hmm. So um that was uh, that was very cathartic for me, getting it out in that way, and um, and I no longer feel like I have to be a person who reaches a certain word goal every day because I know it'll get out of me eventually. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. And so to uh, and go, back, go back for a minute, did you always know that you wanted to write from real young? Did you start writing really young? Oh, absolutely. I I was creating like magazines for my Cabbage Patch dolls, so I was. I was writing from as long as I can remember. Mm-hmm. And um, what's other than your, so who are, are you, you're doing articles regularly to places, other places like LA Times Newsweek still at this point, or Palm Springs Life, yes? Yeah, I do a lot for Palm Springs Life. Um, and then I have essays that have run in the New York Times and the Washington Post. And um, and I write a lot of literary essays that appear in some um more literary journals, things like that. And then um, I have, you know, bigger projects that it's hard because nobody is seeing them on a regular basis. So it's hard to feel like I'm still writing, you know, if people aren't seeing it, but it's all the behind the scenes work for larger pieces. And when I'm looking at your bio, uh, let's see if I got this right. Uh, You you had a short fiction thing called The Frequent Flyer that won an award in 2013, a short story, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't write a lot of fiction, but that was um, while I was getting my Master of Fine Arts. Um, okay. I well, wrote some short stories. Where, where can people find your book? Where can they find it? Uh, it's on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, um, bookshop.org. It's anywhere you can find it, or you can find more at maggiedowns.com. Okay, braver than you think, Maggie Downs. Thank you so very much for being here. I'm going to get the book. It sounds fabulous. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this. All right, stay safe, and we will be back with more on the Culture Corner in just a moment. Local talk that's moving the needle. Art exhibitions to modernism, music festivals to live theater. If it's happening in the Coachella Valley, it's on the Culture Corner with Bonnie G. 
And welcome back to the Culture Corner and IHUB Radio. I wanted to talk a little bit in this last segment about kids and how I was thinking about this the other day, how this pandemic and this uh, stay-at-home order is affecting children. And if you think about how antsy it's making adults and some adults are starting to get really cranky and meltdown, I think about these poor kids who don't really totally probably understand what's going on and why this is all happening, but not going to school, not being able to run around on the playground with their friends, not being able to have play dates or baseball games and all that stuff, having parents stay home and homeschool them, which I think is good to some degree, but I'm sure there are some parents that are better at homeschooling than others. So sometimes all this closeness can also create tension. So I worry about the kids, and I want to talk a little bit about that. I want to talk to Brian in just a second about movies, but I wanted to read a little bit of something. I um, One of the things, many hats I wear is I coach voiceover students, so I teach them how to do voiceovers, how to do radio commercials and narrate books. And I have a little se- a segment from a children's book that I use in, with my students that I wanted to just read because I think it's something that might be helpful for all of us right now to stay centered and think about what matters. It's a little piece from The Velveteen Rabbit, which is a great book. What is real? asked the rabbit one day when they were lying side by side near the nursery fender before Nana came in to tidy the room. Does it mean having things that buzz inside you and a stick out handle? Real isn't how you are made, said the skin horse. It's a thing that happens to you when a child loves you for a long, long time, not just to play with, but really loves you. Then you become real. Does it hurt? asked the rabbit. Sometimes, said the skin horse, for he was always truthful. When you are being real, you don't mind being hurt. Does it happen all at once, like being wound up, he asked, or bit by bit? It doesn't happen all at once, said the skin horse. You become. It takes a long time. That's why it doesn't happen often to people who break easily or have sharp edges or who have been carefully kept. Generally, by the time you are real, most of your hair has been loved off and your eyes drop out and you get loose in the joints and very shabby. But these things don't matter at all because once you are real, you can't be ugly except to people who don't understand. I love that piece. And we don't care about the people who don't understand. Real is important and being real and, and loving your kids and loving each other. So Brian Mendoza is here. He's my board op and he's wonderful, but he also has his own film show. So I asked Brian to, I wanted to chat a little bit about some of your favorite um, movies for kids and, and that uh, might be good things to stream if you can find them. So uh, what do you, what'd you come up with, Brian? Well, obviously there's Disney Plus where that you can watch any film on Disney, uh, made by Disney on Disney Plus. And I think that they make such great movies. And some of my favorites include Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, Fantasia, Pinocchio. It, those are the reliable ones. Beauty and the Beast. Those are great. And I honestly recommend that parents revisit those movies along with their kids because they'll feel great afterwards. And they still hold up. They they have great music and great animation a lot of those movies hold up really well. Even Frozen 2 is a really good one. So you'll you'll rarely find any real bad movies on Disney Plus, you know. And they yeah. also have the sound of music on there too. Oh great. Yeah, and Fantasia. Wow, what a great piece of of entertainment Fantasia is. I mean, just the not just the animation but the music and the I mean, it just I think I mean gosh, I haven't seen that in so long. I'm going to have to watch that again. 
just amazing. And that was, how long is Fantasia? I don't recall. Is that an hour or two? How long is that? It's funny you say that because its length is actually one of the things that some people have noticed about that. It's mm-hmm. two hours and it's the okay. longest of the animated Disney movies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what about, what about, not, I'm putting you on the spot here, but I know you're, you're a mo- big movie buff. What about non-animated stuff? What, anything else? What other things that have you seen that you love that would be appropriate for kids? Do you think that might be great to revisit? I would say, um, there's a new streaming service coming out on May 27th. It's a few weeks away called HBO Max. And they're going to have Warner Brothers movies. And one of my favorite ones, actually my favorite all-time movie, The Wizard of Oz, will stream on there. So May 27th, The Wizard of Oz. And then another movie that streams on there would be Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. You know, I've never seen that all the way through. I've seen bits and pieces of it, but I've never seen the whole thing. Of course, The Wizard of Oz, we've all seen a hundred times. And what a, um, I mean, of course, the one of the things about The Wizard of Oz, I mean, it was groundbreaking on many levels. But I think that was the first time, now that was at the, I know it was the first, I think, first time ever in a film that started in black and white and went into color. But what, wasn't that the first, one of the first times color was ever used, wasn't it? Yeah, on both accounts, it would be one of the first times, but it, I think it's it's the most famous film to mm-hmm. utilize those techniques because um, the black and white to color, it's been used in films before, but the reason why they're not brought up often is because those films, they lost their cl- color sequences over the years. Like um, The Women with Joan Crawford had a color sequence in it, but they lost it throughout the years so when you watch it on dvd it's just um a black and white movie all the way through no color at all now tell tell us a little bit about i don't know how much you know but i know very little about the tech how does that when you say color sequence so how does that happen how why does that happen that it would lose it do you know it's honestly because i mean if you think about it in the 30s no one thought about preserving movies they thought okay it's gonna be in the movie theater for a couple years and that's it and that's the same you ever notice why a lot of soaps are lost it's the same logic is that they felt that no one's gonna want to revisit these and Mm -hmm. unfortunately for soaps no one's gonna those did you can't find those anymore but they still we still have some classic movies and but we do lose some movies and some sequences, unfortunately. What was, what was, um, do you know any, any, were there any others besides the women and was it Oz that did the black and white two color thing? Oh, uh, you know, you know, it's funny you bring that up. Um, the Phantom of the Opera, the 1925 version did that, the mask of the red death scene or something like that. Okay. That scene right there had was, is in color and you can still find it. I think, um, I'm not entirely sure where it's streaming at, but they do have like, free copies on youtube so if anyone wants to see it it is on there and there is a color sequence but it's very weird because it's only really two colors because it's a two color strip so they can only it's a bunch of colors but it's it's very greens and reds Mm, okay it's kind of weird what was was the um first official film that actually used color or, or technical i guess if you will you know, that's yeah. actually a really good question because every day I find a new contradiction to that answer. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. But um, you know what? I think Becky Sharp probably was because it was the first one to use three color Technicolor. And that's a movie from 1935. Okay. Okay. All right. And what is what, some people say it's, it's something else. Some people say that's not that it's another movie that actually used it first. Yeah. There's like people out there saying, well, the first one. 
like an animated movie would be the first, I guess, in their mind. Or like a movie that used it for five seconds or five minutes in one movie. It's kind of a debate and movies yeah. get lost. So unfortunately, you lose out, too. Yeah. Well, Brian, thank you. You're always a wealth of knowledge when it comes to films. I love chatting with you. Thank you so much to Ann Sheffer from the Palmerston's Cultural Center and Maggie Downs. And thank you, Brian. Everybody, please stay safe, and we'll talk next week.